Okay, folks, welcome to the July version of our, our monthly call. I mean, I think broadly, uh, calm in markets, many markets, particularly in the States, uh, pushing all-time highs, the Nasdaq closing in on that crucial 15,000 level. And we've, we've seen a, a succession of new highs in the S&P. Um, that, that comes, I think, against a curious market backdrop. Volatility is falling. We are seeing signs that inflation is picking up in the States. There is this debate of whether that is transitory or not. Most other asset classes are well behaved. Bond deals have fallen. Things to note and keep an eye on. Uh, we have some weakness across emerging markets. We have strength in the dollar. Higher risk assets like Bitcoin are weaker, I think, um, uh, underbid. And I think a sense on our part that um, you know, riskier equities getting into very, very expensive territories. So we, we were not minded, I think, to chase this. Daniel, I think, will give us more uh, detail on portfolio moves. Daniel, let's, let's chat a bit about um, inflation and, and bond yields. And, you know, despite the commentary from central bankers that these high inflation numbers are transitory, they, they keep uh, printing at high numbers. Yes, that's right. And to be honest, as I think we mentioned in last month's podcast, actually, it's not a great surprise to see inflation numbers at these levels when you're looking back on a year-on-year basis. Last year, the economy was clearly very weak. This year, it is picking up as the reopening happens. So it's not it's not a big surprise that we have the numbers that we're seeing right now. The key question, which everyone's focusing on, is whether it is transitory or not. And some of the measures that have historically been quite uh, helpful in gauging where it goes in the future is stuff like the credit impulse numbers coming out of China. It's not the only factor, it's one of many, but you know it's the one that a lot of market participants are, are looking at these days. And that really signals a uh, slowing in inflation over the next six months or so. And I think that's why the bond markets are also signaling a similar story future expectations of inflation five years out, or even a break-even rate on Treasury uh, inflation-protected securities, those are bonds that are linked to inflation in the US, they're not signaling any real concerns about inflation. So my best guess is that we see another month or two of these high inflation numbers, and then we start to see it level off a bit and, and even fall back to more normal levels. How does that fit with your expectations, Mike? Yeah, I mean, one of one of the things that I, I've been watching all year round is uh, lumber prices. Partly because they're they're a measure of a, a strong housing market. Partly because they're a kind of a speculative index as well. And lumber prices, since the the depth of the coronavirus crisis, I think had had gone up like four times. Now it has, has come right back off to where they were the beginning of of this year. So so that suggests, I think, that some some markets think that this uh, move is transitory. Uh, what I'm focused on really is is the wage market and whether you see a follow through in the wage market in terms of you know, workers demanding new wages. There's there's plenty of anecdotal evidence that in the States and, and even in the UK that retail companies are having to make it more attractive for people to come back to work. And I think what we also need to see in that respect also is for some of the the stimulus to work out of the system in terms of you know, some of the measures governments have put in place. But I guess for the moment, the market is buying into this transitory story and that's reflected in, in bond deals effectively across the world. And I think what's interesting as well is that we're not seeing any 
any signs that the taper debate, the possibility that the Fed and other central banks will reduce purchases of assets, that that's having an impact on, on prices either. Yeah, it, it does remind me a bit actually of 2016 and when Donald Trump got elected. There was a lot of expectation for inflation then and the idea that animal spirits would be invoked by his election and and we'd see uh, you know a lot of inflation as a result. And, and it was a, a bit of a scare for the market for about six months. Bond market sold off and, and then it started to basically go back to its previous trend. And it, it looks a bit like a repeat in that. Yeah. Exactly. We'll see. The impact on the dollar is kind of interesting though, because at the start of the year, everybody in sell-side research thought the dollar was going down. And any time everybody in sell-side research thinks something, you look at the exact opposite and wonder exactly. if that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we've seen some signs of that over the last month or two as well, which does have an impact on the performance of stuff like emerging market equities relative to the developed world. Yeah, exactly. And I think, as you said, you know, the consensus was was heavily in favour of a weaker dollar. Uh, importantly, we also that saw that in in positioning. So, in terms of where where funds, hedge funds, and other investors were were placing their bets, what we've seen actually is that they've taken a lot of those bets off, and the dollar has begun to to rise. And I think if we begin to see the dollar rise more, that would put pressure on some emerging markets. Bear in mind that across the emerging market landscape, you have a range of political crisis, an ongoing one in, in Turkey, one that's beginning to erupt in South Africa, and they are two of the, the key emerging market currency countries. So I think emerging market volatility is something I think we, we need to be, uh, I think it, we, we, we're obviously not badly exposed there, but I think investors in general need to keep a, a close uh, close eye on. Yeah. And turning to more positive markets, the uh, tech-heavy Nasdaq has really picked up in the last month or two. Um, but there is a word of warning because you were telling me about this great stat just before we started on how many days it is since we've last had a, a correction in the equity markets. What were the numbers again? I mean, a kind of a 5% or so correction in say the S&P, which is the benchmark, is a healthy thing in, in any bull market because it takes some of the, the speculative excess out of the market. Now we've been, I think about 172 days without one of those, which I think if you go back in history, we've only seen that you see you see that kind of behavior maybe once every two or three years. So to say uh, some sort of correction is overdue, I think is is now stating the obvious, and people should I think just be that bit more cautious. And that also tells us I think of the the overextended nature of the the, the market environment as well. Yeah, and that's why. You know, for our clients, we'll, they will probably see on their portfolios that we carried out a rebalance of, uh, of their accounts. And what this basically means is, because equity markets have been strong, if you were at 50% in equities in November, you were about 54 to 55% uh, as of last week. And so looking at this market backdrop, we just thought it was a good time to do a bit of housekeeping and just reset those weightings by selling a bit of equity and, and buying a bit of bond and, and cash exposure. So that's what people will see going through over the next few days if they've not seen it already. Good. Okay. I think that's a, it's a good footing to be on um, as we head through the, the rest of the summer. Uh, so look forward to uh, updating people again in, in August. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike.